Hello and welcome to the latest Gate Drop Pod. Joining me today is Jonathan McCready. Um, just before we get started, the Supercross season in America started the, the season really in January. We've now had some international motocross races, but this weekend, for me, the big stuff starts now, the, the real racing, so to speak. Uh, but it's great. it'll be great to have everything all going at the same time. We'll not know what to do with the weekend soon, there'll be that much racing. But yeah, Argentina kicks off this weekend for the MXGP opener. Uh, so Johnny, I'll just bring you in there. How are you? And you, are you looking forward to the real A one? I'm all right, but I would have thought the the real race and, and Supercross has been pretty good so far this year. Uh, it has been, but Supercross is good. But the real stuff, the can't can't beat the good outdoors, can you? I just watched the the uh, the highlights from near up there earlier. Nothing will beat that. Unbelievable. Well, Europe might be the best track in the world, bar none. Although this week Argentina is one of the. I think most most picturesque and pretty awesome track as well. So I'm sure the riders are really looking forward to going there. Maybe not the travel, but certainly the the event. And everyone's mostly healthy, except for poor Tim Geiger, which is a bit of a shame because I think everyone wants to see Tim Geiger v Jeffrey Herlings. But that's the big um, black mark at the start of this 2023 season. So get well soon to Tim. But Real shame we're not going to see those two go at it, but at least Jeffrey Herlings is healthy this year. As far as as far as we know, he won at the weekend there. We've got to see, we went to Hawkstone and we saw Jeffrey there play it pretty smart, I thought. And he's got his win in France, so he's there ready to go. And I think in terms of racing, there's a lot, there's quite a few injuries now in Supercross, although the top five or six are, are going at an awesome level. But the depth in MXGP, as we'll talk about here, is pretty phenomenal again yeah absolutely um obviously starting to fly away argentina uh the, obviously we're not going to get 40 riders behind the game or anything like that but um i think it's it's wise probably you started a fly away gp because if, you know to have a true world championship you need to go outside europe and if you have them at the start of the year you're guaranteed to get more bikes than maybe halfway through the year like what we've seen in indonesia last year because obviously injuries happen unfortunately that's just part of the sport and then you know, a few guys might not go if, if they're not doing very well in the championship halfway through the year. But yeah, I think you touched on it well there. Unfortunately, no Tim Geyser to start the season. But on a positive note, this time last year, we didn't have Jeffrey Hurlings or Roman Fever. They're now back and at least we're only going into the season with one injury as opposed to last year, two injuries. So a positive there compared to this time last year. And and uh, I think everyone's very anticipated to see Jeffrey Hurlings' MXCP return. Obviously, we've seen him at Hawkstone I mean, he had glimpses, nothing really special in terms of Jeffrey Hurlings, but it was still encouraging because at, at times, I wouldn't say it was any quicker than the front three, but he certainly had their pace at times. And yeah. I think for his first race in over a year, it, that's absolutely fine, especially in a race that doesn't matter. And, you know, history tells us if this guy can actually last the season and, and, and go to every GP, he'll probably win the championship. But nothing ever comes very easy if you're Jeffrey Hurling. So I think we need to prepare ourselves for another another close championship and you know down to there's so much racing these days the bikes are so fast if you crash it's you know you especially jeffrey because he's had so many broken bones doesn't even crash that much these days but he's never usually too far away from an injury unfortunately so i think most people probably think he's the favorite if he can survive the season but that's going to be the million dollar question will he be able to do that this year and if not this and even if if he does you know this guys have been racing there for a full, a full year and proven um, the new Yamaha looks good the KTM or any of the Austrian brands look a lot better now than what they were at the start of last year with the new bike so I don't think it's going to be easy this year regardless and just on Jeffrey he said he was pretty smart at Hawkstone he got the bad start in the first one and he wasn't certainly wasn't rushing his way through in the first two laps that you would normally expect but speaking to him after you could tell he was a bit on one hand, his natural instinct to go out and win, he was agitated that he'd got beaten. And then the more experienced, smart Jeffrey was on the other side of his shoulder going, you have to be smart, you can't just be reckless. So it felt he was a wee bit conflicted at times when he looked back on the day. He certainly didn't enjoy getting beaten, but I think he was doing all he could to, to play it smart and think about the big picture as well. So coming into Argentina... It'll be interesting just to see how much he can be okay if he is just a fifth or sixth or fourth quickest or 
even just to take a podium because even talking to him at Hoxton, you could say his natural instinct is still, I should be winning. But he's having to play it smart on the first Grand Prix. There's a lot of guys, especially those that Yamaha trio was so glad at, at Hawkstone. Very, very smooth. Looks really good on this new bike. He didn't make any mistakes. He pressure from favorite pressure from Hurlings. Brent Van Donick we'll get on to later. Really impressive at the minute. No mistakes from Glenn Kolenhoff. Good starts, very smooth. And I think the same is probably going to be said of Maxime Renou and Jeremy Sear. Plus, you have Roman Favre and a host of others we'll talk about. So can Jeffrey stay calm in these first couple of rounds? Accept not winning in the middle of a moto. We'll have this uh, sprint race as well now, going to count towards points. If he can stay calm, I think, the first few rounds, find that speed everyone knows he has, then hopefully he'll make all the rounds and he'll be a contender for the title. But it'll be interesting to see just how patient he can be and he's opening rounds, and if he can just stay calm, if things aren't really going the way he really wants them to and running up front. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the main thing. I mean, from my point of view, the first four to six rounds, I don't even really that mind that much if he's not on the podium. Top five every weekend, just survive. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he's got Riola round two, so that's already going yeah. to play a big advantage because we know how good he is in the sand. So, with the exception of that one, maybe, if he's just doing enough to get finished fifth or sixth, you know, because these guys... Not all these guys are going to last the season. And I think it's just important for him to survive the season. And then from maybe round five or six onwards, that's maybe when he can think, okay, let's get in the podium, let's win. Because we all know Prime Jeffrey Hurlings can win every week and no matter mm-hmm. what the track is. So it's just about when we'll see Prime Jeffrey Hurlings. If he's hitting that mark at about the halfway mark, I think that'll be a good time for him to pick. And then in his head, go on a good winning run and then end the season on a high. You know, there's 18 or 19 GPs this year, so it's going to be a lot of battles. But um, as, as amazing as Jeffrey is, it's not the Jeffrey show. So in terms of the next rider we'll talk about, who do you see as his biggest threat in this championship? So I feel like the... Hmm. Jeremy Sue well, weren't ready. Theory, okay. I can't make my mind up because I feel like they're well, all fairly equal. It's about who's going to hit form. With Rowan Favre was pretty impressive at Hawkson in terms of his speed. Now, there was certain points in the races where you were wondering, is he pushing too hard for a, a pre-season race? Although he then said he'd only, he was only back after arm pump surgery, so that made it pretty impressive again. For me, I am I like the look of the of the Yamaha riders, and I think if Maxim Renault can get the starts, he might have the most potential to to really go. He's maybe It's maybe a year too early. But I think he, he's no real weakness, bar maybe those starts, as I mentioned. But he's good in sand, good in hard pack. But any of those Yamaha riders, I might just go for Renault. But Glenn looks a lot really good on this new bike. Jeremy Sear, each year he just seems to improve a wee bit, improve a wee bit. He's now getting used to winning. So the end of last season, he's never really been a, a guy that wins a lot. But he's starting to win more. And I'm sure that's building his confidence. Again, the new bike. He looked good in preseason. The starts are good. In his head, I think this is the time to try and win a world title. And I think this might be his best year yet. But in terms of potential and room to grow, I think Maxime Renault has the highest ceiling. So I might go for Renault. But I haven't mentioned Roman Favre really, but it's hard to look past him as well because he has the experience and knows what it takes to be world champion in the 450 class. Yeah, well, for me, I think it'll be Maxime Renault as well. Uh, yeah. yeah, I, 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 I thought about this earlier, so I didn't. I knew I was going to bring this up. So Renault, I think Thanks it's for, it, for me. It's between Jeffrey Hurlings and Maxime Renault. So we've already discussed Jeffrey enough. So just to touch on Maxime Renault, obviously it was his rookie season last year. Um, coming in off the back was MX2 World Title. Everyone knows he could have stayed in MX2 an extra mm-hmm. year or two if he wanted, but. With this world title in the bank, he thought, let's go to 450, let's race MXGP. And, and I mean, what a rookie season he had. He looked like a veteran in the class, to be honest. And, you know, some riders, as a rookie, they, they tend to deliver because they're not under that much pressure. You worry about them maybe the second or third year because then they have the pressure. But when it comes to Maxime Renault, I don't have that worry at all because he's, his mentality is very, very good. Obviously, going up from MX2 so early shows that he believes already that he can run at the front of MXGP. 
he already showed that last year in his rookie season. And I think now I'll just go from strength to strength. Um, he ended last year unbelievably well at the motocross the nations as well. Obviously, everyone mm-hmm. remembers America won, but they seem to forget that Maxi Bruno actually won the MXGP class that day. So he couldn't have ended the season. So he couldn't have ended the season any better, really. And as we say with this new Yamaha, um, obviously it's a small sample size. Only really three races mm-hmm. were all the were the, the road, and but it looks like it's getting out of the gate well. And, and as you said, I think that is Renault's weakness getting out of the gate. But with this new Yamaha and this new package, if he can get out of the gate consistently, I think he's got the mentality. Whether or not he can run with Prime Jeffrey Hurlings, obviously that remains to be seen. But we're probably not going to see Prime Jeffrey Hurlings for a while. So at the start of this season, I think Maxime Renault could could provide the fireworks really. And so I'm looking forward to, to him and seeing how he does. If you're Yamaha, you have to feel pretty satisfied going into the season. You've you've three probably A riders. <clears throat> Those three riders would probably be the number one rider. Generally, a lot of teams have two riders of a number one rider and then a B rider. They have three riders who could all see themselves as the number one guy. So if you're loading your team up with three elite riders, you're probably hoping at least one of them is going to challenge for the world title. And they have three that can legitimately probably look at the season and think we can win GP races and that you can make an argument that they're going to be in and all three are going to be in, in contention for the title. And fair play to Yamaha because it isn't cheap to hire three riders of that quality, have all the bikes, the product, send them to Argentina, everything that's involved with that. So a round of applause for them for taking on three riders of that level. And I think they have to be quietly confident that uh, at least one of them is going to be in contention for a world championship. It has to be pretty exciting with that new bike and all three looking so good in pre-season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to touch on Jeremy Sir, so, so consistent. You know, nobody can, and he wants it really, really badly. It's, I mean, it's quite hard to believe. I think he's actually only won one MXGP overall. So mm-hmm. as with, as you touched on earlier, he doesn't really win enough, but he's always there thereabouts. And a lot of the times he's been in this, maybe he's been in the situation to win, but he's maybe just lost the front or maybe a last lap pass or something like that. So he's been there, he's touching the door. And this preseason, you know, he was able to win three out of four motos in Italy. Again, it's a small sample size, but he'll be going into the season feeling really good. And actually, he's my pick to win the opening round in Argentina, actually, because Argentina, it's a fast and flowing track. I think it'll suit Jeremy, but um, it remains to be seen if he can win enough, really, to win an MXGP World title. We know he'll be on the podium plenty. We know he'll be getting top fives plenty. Just whether or not he can win enough to the that win this title that he really, really wants. And just on Glenn Kodenhoff, he's slightly different in the in the sense that every year he's been at Yamaha, he's got better and better. And I mean, this time last year, I think most people would have thought that he probably wouldn't even be a factory Yamaha rider this year. But uh, he improved a lot last year and ended up fifth in the World Championship. And I think he'll probably think that he can improve even more on last year. And especially with this new bike, it could be coming at the perfect time. And it could be his last year as a factory Yamaha rider with Thiago Gertz, of course, moving mm-hmm. up to the class in 2024. So he'll be eager to go out uh, with a bang. Um, and At Hawkstone, one thing that struck me was, again, Glenn isn't really a winner, but at, at Hawkstone, obviously it is only an international race, but he reminded me of Renault from last year nearly, or Renault from, from this last few years. He was in the lead and he just took everything in his stride. Birdie made any mistakes and never looked around him. So, and his starts were good as well. So if he can do that in MXGP, I wouldn't rule him out for causing a surprise here or there. But whether or not, whether or not he can challenge for a title is another question. Yeah, he looked more like the guy that was on standing concert KTM at the end, well, sort of 2018 when he went on that run, sort yeah. of GP winner level rider. The performance he put on at Red Bull as well, I think the season after that, I think that Yamaha has maybe given him that feeling. It's narrower, it's thinner, it's lighter. He's maybe getting that feeling back with the KTM. He's a couple more years experience. He's on a team with two very fast teammates. And I think all three of those guys will help push each other. But we've kind of left a rider out that usually doesn't really go out of the top three. Even last year, he didn't have his greatest season with injury and illness. Jorge Prado, known for a start. So we had mentioned of that with Renault. Maybe that's his probably weakest point. 
Prado known for his starts, but the first two preseason races maybe weren't as impressive as you would totally expect, although he did win at his home track there, the, the first moto in Spain a couple of weeks ago. Where are you with Jorge? For me, it's a big it's a big year for him, especially coming in healthy. A year with the bike they clearly didn't have totally set up properly last year, being a new machine. He's healthy again, we hope. Can he challenge for this title, or do you think there's still something missing and whatever it is? Because talent-wise, he should be he should be on on the path with Renault and those guys. He beat Renault obviously in MX2. He was battling Ruben Fernandez in Spain, who he beat in MX2. He's got Yago Gertz coming up next year, who he beat in MX2. It's as each year goes on, the pressure's getting higher for Jorge Prado to deliver and not just deliver what we know we can, the race wins and, and a top three in a championship, but deliver this world title for Gas Gas. Yeah, for me, Jorge Prado was the biggest question mark this year, to be honest. And I was hoping after preseason, I still don't really know where to stand on him, to be mm-hmm. honest. I was, I was kind of hoping he'd come out in one of them and fly and, and then I'd have no worries. But I still don't really know. I mean, obviously last year he was very consistent and he ended up third in the world championship. But coming into the start of last year, Prado would have wanted the challenge for the title and he was pretty much a mile off doing that. And obviously there was a lot made about the bike. Nobody could really ride the, the KTM in, in America either. And But the bike looks to be sorted in Supercross this year. So the indications are the bike should be good. Um, So it's time for Prado to deliver, really. Will he be able to do that? I honestly don't know. Again, it's similar to Sir. When he'll be consistent, you know, he'll get plenty of podiums. He'll get plenty of top fives. Can he win enough? You would think there, there is a bit of an opening at the start of the season because obviously we're not going to see prime Jeffrey Hurlings um, and it's more of a level playing field maybe going into the season. So he could be one to watch out for. If he starts the season well, he could go on a bit of a roll because we all know he has a talent. I mean, when he first moved when he first moved up into MXCP after such a good MX2 career, everyone thought that he was going to win an MXCP yeah. world title. We're still waiting for him to explode, really, in MXGP, I would say. So he'll be hoping this year it, it matters because, as you say, there's there's other riders coming and, and guys like Renault and Fernandez are pretty much his speed now, yeah. well, based on last year. So big year, and I don't really know what to expect from Prado. So that, that that's a bit of excitement, Dirk, but don't really know what he'll do. But if he rides to his full capabilities, we know he has the pace, the pace and the talent. So it's going to be interesting. So what might help him this year? Obviously, if he gets off to a good start and can win, that he's pretty confident. Gets a race win, that could really boost him for, for the rest of the year and he could become a bona fide title challenger again. These qualifying races, we'll touch on that. So 10 points for the winner, down to one point for 10th, I believe it is. Jorge Prado gets a whole shot 20-minute race. Is that going to give him a section of the, the weekend that, might really play into his favour. And if he's getting regular top three results, even just in the qualifying, in terms of the points for the championship, that could be something that could really play in his favour. A guy like Favre, maybe Renault, starts aren't always, they can be good, but they can be eighth, nine, tenth the odd time. Qualifying races might be a section where they lose more points than they normally would in a, in a Grand Prix. We have 30 minutes plus two. These qualifying races might actually work in Jorge's favour. And then that gives them the extra boost going into the Sunday as well. Potentially, potentially. Um, you know, Prado, whenever he was racing MX2, mentally I thought he was very, very strong. Sometimes he would run races where maybe he wasn't the quickest, but he was mm-hmm. very good under pressure. For me, in MXGP, he still has that a little, but it seems to be in MXGP he gets rattled a bit more once maybe one or two guys pass him, and then he could go from... 10th the second to like because it's so deep as well it wasn't yeah but level yeah but i would yeah but i would like to see him you know show a bit more fight maybe and um not completely get um you know dismantled or when guys start to fly past him you know just maybe take a lap calm himself down and then go again but i think that's been the biggest difference especially last year noticed it more so I would like to see him maybe show a bit more fight. You know, it's not the end of the world if Jeffrey Hurlings or Fever come flying past you. You know, just just you know try and follow on the back wheel, maybe pick up some of their lines and and try and go again. Because I think that's that was his big strength in MX two. And whilst mm-hmm. obviously MX is a little bit different, you know, it's still he still got to believe in his talent as well. So 
it's going to be an interesting one. But I do feel like um, he just needs to hang in there maybe a little bit more and try and grind out these results maybe that we haven't seen, certainly last year, I would say. Would a 350 suit him better? Nah, 350 development date is too far behind. I believe Antonio Crowley said that, and who am I to question yeah. him? So I, don't so I would one. say no. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go then. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, think if they hadn't stopped the 350 development, I think it would have been a very yeah. good bike. Because it's just easier to handle, and he's a good starter anyway. Now and it's, but yeah. Prado, I think has, he has everything to win. I think he's just searching for the right combination, all the pieces of the puzzle to, to make it happen. Last year was so, again, he struggled with, I think he'd COVID or some sort of illness again that prevented him. He got, just when he started winning last year against Geyser, he then had that big crash and he got injured and then injured again. I'd like to see him just stay healthy, physically in terms of injuries, but also in terms of hopefully he won't get COVID or flu or whatever has been playing with his respiratory system as well. I don't think we've seen the best of Prado and I don't think it's just, him not been able to perform at the level because we have seen him win races whenever he's fit and healthy. I think the injuries and illnesses of the bike issues, it's always been one thing or the other that have stopped him getting momentum. This year, again, in the preseason, you would say the Yamaha guys look better. Fever probably looks better. But Prado is usually pretty good at performing when the time comes. Certainly, he's, he's usually able to get the starts if he can get them sorted again and he's healthy. I think he should be up there, but every year, the last couple of years, we've said this and something's went wrong, whether it's his fault or some other external reason or health or injury or bike. I just want to see a fully healthy Jorge Prado on a bike he's comfortable on, and then I think we'll really see what he can do. But again, the competition's getting better. We've just talked about four or five riders there that will all think they have a chance at a world title, and that's with Tim being injured. So it's not going to get any easier. Gert's coming in next year. He has to figure out a way to put all the pieces together and deliver, I think, and he has to show it this year. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, he is still up there. It's not a complete disaster. But and he's still young. I think because of how talented he is. And, you know, yeah. he, he was so good at 16 or 15. Maybe we'll look at him and have higher standards for him. But I think he'll have higher standards for himself as well at the same time. I think he would have wanted to do better last year. And obviously the bike wasn't great last year. You know, they all sort of had issues riding it, uh, apart from Bodgers, but then he didn't have the new bike last year, so that explains that yeah. one. So it's it's gonna be interesting, but I think that's why it's such he's such the bigger question mark because of the whole bike issue last year. And this year, you know, he's not gonna be able to blame the bike really. So it's 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 gonna be interesting. But again, he will still be up there, but whether or not yeah. he can win the title is another question. So it's gonna he is the biggest question mark, I think. And and one other writer you touched on was Roman Fever. I feel like Roman Fever at the end of 2021, I sort of felt like he maybe missed the boat to win another MXGP world title. But having said that, he came back last year without any any off-season at all. Yeah. After after that bit, huge parse crash, we were there. He came back and, you know, he was he was running the pace straight away pretty much. Impressive I mean, he he needed him. Yeah. Well, that's a big painful so, injury to go through as well, operations yes. and that healing right. And yeah. to just come back and be on pace, pretty impressive. Yeah, so this year he's got a full off season, which I think will benefit him a lot. I think Kawasaki also have a new bike, so and it, there was some grunt out of it out of Hoxton. It sounded lovely. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's going to be interesting to see what Fever does. Do, do you, I think he can challenge for the title, but I'm just not convinced he can get the job done. But I don't think he'll be too far away because on his day he has the pace of anybody really, apart yep. from. You know, maybe maybe in the sand against hurlings, but who who has that speed at the end of the day? But he's an all rounder. You know, any type of tracks now, he can he can pretty much be top three in podium. So again, how how many wins can he can he get? But I I don't think he'll be too far away. I think after Renault, I think I'd say Fever could be the next guy to, to challenge. Yeah, we saw even in the year he almost won it there a couple of years ago. He was making very. You never, Ben Townley actually said this year he won the World Championship to me when he was following him at the destination. He said he makes a lot of small mistakes, but no big ones. And in a way, he was a bit like that of the year he almost won it there in 2021. He would make a slight mistake or a small crash, nothing major, but it was costing him a couple of points here and a couple of points there. I don't think he can afford to have that happen this year, but bigger than that is probably the starts. 
Kelly, if he can start top three, top five every week, mm. or every moto, three motos in a weekend, I think, yeah, he'd be right in the thick of this championship because in terms of speed, experience, desire to win, willingness to go with the pace and having the ability to go the pace, I think he has all that. We've seen his sand really improved over the last few years as well. So, yes, you don't expect him to beat hurlings, but can he get on the podium? Definitely. So I think he ticks a lot of the boxes. To me, he's pretty similar to Renault. Can they get the start so they're on the pace with everyone at the start of the race, especially these qualifying nights? If they both can do that, world title definitely on for them, especially with the hurling situation where even he's not expecting himself to win at the start. That's a good chance for them to try and get get points on the board and, and get their momentum going before Jeffrey sort of becomes the what he will believe is the fastest guy again. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right about Fever's start as well. Actually, I think again that's that's his weak weak point starts. You know, it, it's a bit inconsistent out of the gate and in MXGP, you certainly to win, you need to be in the top three, top five worst case mm-hmm. out of that gate. And, and sometimes Fever's not. So that is a good point. Fever's gonna need to be consistently getting good getting good starts, I think. Similar to Renault as well. I think I think you're right, those two are similar. I just think Renault maybe has that edge mentally. Just maybe that extra 2%. And at that level, that can make all the difference sometimes. So I think we've discussed the top six there. They're they're pretty much the championship contenders. Outside the top six, who do you see in as being, you know, getting the old top five rides, maybe getting on a good day a podium? Who 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 do you see doing that? Paul's Jonas is a guy that over the last few years, when everything's going well, when he's on form and he's not injured, can generally run the pace of that top five or six, no matter who it is. He can get on the podium. He can be right in the thick of that battle. He's an ex-world champion, so it shouldn't be a surprise. But he does tend to have massive crashes almost out of nowhere. And then he'll end up with an injury. And then you're like, oh, Paul's, there goes that momentum. He's having to rebuild. Two rounds later, he'll come back. But third round, then he's back on the pace again. And then something mad will happen him again or he'll get taken out in the most spectacular way possible in the first turn even though he's had a good start things he just can't get everything rolling consistently in his direction but I think pace wise he's one of the guys that can Opal's Jonas has a good start he's still fifth with five minutes to go battling Glenn and Prado you know you're not surprised when that happens it's just having it happen consistently I think seems to be the issue for him but they're on Hondas this year mm. Ryan Bogers as well so another adjustment but that team, shout out to that team, that they always get the maximum out of the riders' potential, I feel. They have a new bike, so it may or may not take them a few rounds just to get adjusted to the bike, to get settings for each track and just get the, the knowledge of everything. But I think for me, Paul Jonas is a guy that when everything clicks, he can run with those those championship contenders. Yeah, I think you're right. He he doesn't actually crash that much, no. but when he crashes, he crashes. <laughs> they're big, you, you know. You all, yeah, they're very <laughs> memorable and not for the right reason. If no. Paul Jonas, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's an interesting one. The standing construct team, you know, they've had some journey in the GP paddock. Started out at Suzuki, went to KTM, went to Yamaha, took a year out, came back, Husqvarna. Now they're on Honda, so they've pretty much been around all the manufacturers. Um. Yeah, Honda is a strange one because obviously the HRC Honda team are really, really good. But then if you think about the, the teams under that, you know, Jackie Martin, since yeah. he's went to Honda, hasn't done anything amazing, I would say, on MXGP. It's it's a, it's, it's a difficult one, but I was relieved to see Standing Construct do well later up there. Um, PJ and, and Rogers were both on it. And obviously the guys at Standing Construct, I think they do their own engines as well. So I think that could be actually, it could benefit maybe Honda more than it could benefit the standing construct mm. team. So hopefully those two c- can do well for the standing construct team and they consistently be up there. I mean, but it's hard to believe Bodgers won a GP last year. He'll be hoping to win at least one one this year as well. As you say, Jonas is, is certainly capable of running top five pace. Um, I think for me, the one rider that, I, well, there's two guys I'll mention. Mario Gordonini, who this time last year was yeah. actually preparing for the MX2 World Championship. That's a good shot. And then yeah. after a few rounds, wasn't going to plan. He went, okay, I'll go ra- racing MXGP because he was planning on making the jump up to MXGP anyway in 2023. Mm-hmm. So 
for me at the end of last year, he was kind of always sixth or seventh in behind the elite, and he was yeah. good enough to follow them. Another off season behind him, and you know, learning the bike, the four fifty after years racing the two fifty. So I think that'll be good for him. And uh, again, if he can sort of start the season how he finished it last year, I think that could be a good starting point. And then I want to close that gap to, to the top five as the season progresses. And then another guy for me is Ruben Fernandez on the HRC Honda at the moment on his own. Hopefully, HRC, yeah, hopefully yeah. HRC, probably not for Argentina at this stage, but hopefully even for the second round, they maybe get a fill-in rider because that's a lot of a lot of pressure on his shoulders. But Ruben Fernandez since moving up, maybe a bit wild to start on the 450, but I feel like as he got used to the bike and the more races he got under his belt, he actually started to look really good in the bike and a lot more smooth. Yeah. So one certainly to keep an eye on, and I wouldn't be that surprised if he got on the podium at least once this year, I think, which would be really good for him. Yeah, Ruben, I think, would benefit more, and this could be totally wrong, but Ruben would benefit more with Tim still being healthy because mm. Tim is used to that pressure. Yeah. Ruben, his first year in a fact, full factory 450 Honda in the big team, now all eyes are going to be on him. It's up to him to uphold that team. He's shown enough potential that there's expectation there now. And going all the way back to 97, it was the aluminium frame, and McGrath, he left to go to Suzuki. The month before the season, Steve Lampson, he was then the sole rider on that team and it was just a horrible year for him. And I think he said that all eyes were on him. He was All the mechanics were around him. Everything was focused on him. And he just wasn't used to that because McGrath had been the one with all the attention and knew how to cope with it. And I think Tim knows how to cope with that. Ruben's never been in that situation. So he's going into a season with two very new situations in terms of being on a factory team for one, which is going to be more pressure anyway. Now even more pressure being the only guy there. Everyone's going to Argentina out of that team for him. All of Japan's watching him. Riding ability-wise, I think he's been pretty impressive on the 450. You would say it suits him better. He battled Prado, I think, tooth and nail at the, the couple of weeks ago in Spain. So I think on he the riding won. side, he's everything going for him i think it's more a mental thing of can he handle the pressure we've seen him get a bit wild before can he not do that if he gets a whole shot starts top three he's the main honda guy does that get in his head or can he just focus on himself and ride how he knows how to ride on a 450 and really i think he has the stuff to to be really good for me it's just whether he can handle the pressure of being the sole rider yeah, exactly. I, I agree with you there. It's it is a lot of pressure. We've seen it. We've seen it with Ben Watson as well last year. Yeah, he was on his own on the Kawasaki racing team, and he wasn't doing too well. And as soon as Fever come back, he he got a little bit better. You know, yeah. it took it's stuff like that does matter. So while we're talking about HRC Honda, I'll throw some names out at you. I would quite like to see them get a fill-in rider. I, I think that is important for the sport. So I know what you're gonna I'll, say. I'll throw I'll, I'll throw a whole lot of names out at you, and then and then let you pick. Who's your uh, favorite? This uh, I'll I'll list them all first, and then <laughs> and then I'll pick one. So you could look to Australia. You've got Chad right. Beaton, and you've got Kyle Webster. Then then you could look to Canada. You've got Dylan Wright. So there's three already. All pretty good options, you'd have to say. Um, and then you could look closer to home in Europe. Max Nagel is now Honda, KMP Honda. You can maybe have a look at him, very experienced. Would he come back to MXGP if he got a little bit of money? He could be good at developing a bike as well. Um, that's four. You can maybe look You've at one of the... You've been thinking about this? Europe. I have been thinking about You're it. You're going to take for them Gordon to, Crocker's for them. spot to Honda, I think. <laughs> yeah. like to think. Uh, <laughs> you could look closer at home. Brent Van Donick, obviously he's got a team. Would you be able to promote him? potentially and then you can maybe even look at somebody like Jeremy Van Horvick he hung the boots up last week or last at the end of last season but would he come out of retirement I still think he rides quite a bit HRC Honda but if it was me I would get Jed Beaton who, who would you go for yourself you've been on the Jed Beaton bandwagon for a few weeks um, well I would like to see him get that bike I think he'd do well on that bike and he had a yeah. lot of issues last year on his rookie season and it was a shame he didn't get a ride this year that even wasn't factory. And he's yeah. been with that team before. Mm. 
on the 250 so he does take a lot of boxes he's got the experience he's rude in hand on the 250 class before he'll know members of the team you would imagine it would be a pretty good fit i think with all those names it's probably not as simple as just saying ringing them up and saying can you come right for honda because they've contracts with their own team especially when you're going down to australia when their season starts so their riders want to their teams want to lose a rider they've just just signed, especially in Beaton's mm. case, maybe going for well, the title. But yeah. well, Jed is planning to race some GPs anyway, and I think, I mean, he, he did have offers in GPs, so he could have yeah. signed GPs. But I'm hoping he signed that contract with a clause on it that if a GP team comes calling, you know, he, he that they wouldn't stand in his way. Hopefully, yeah, I think Beaton's a good shout, but also I'm not sure what. Was Dylan right injured or something? Yeah. Did I say uh, he's back it? on the bike, so he'd probably yeah, so... be ready for you know round three or four or something like that. Yeah, so depend on when he would yeah, be ready he, to he, go. He, yeah, I think I would have liked to have seen him in GPs last yeah. year. So again, if I would I wouldn't mind seeing Dylan Wright coming back over. Have a Canadian North American and, a, and MXGP is good on an exposure point, but not just that he's fast enough to do it as he's proven. Um. I would probably go for one of one of those yeah. two, but Max Nagel wouldn't be a bad shot in terms of development, even in terms of helping Ruben. He's got so much experience; he can still ride a bike fast. We saw that at Red Bull as well on the the big stage. After not really riding Grand Prix all year, he was fast, and he actually said that was his last motocross of nations at the time. But if he's on a Honda riding well this year, who knows? And he gets an opportunity to do a few Grand Prix. But I think probably those three would be the best options because Brent, we'll talk about Brent Van Donick here, absolutely flying in pre-season. You spoke to him at Hawkstone, you can check that interview out. Um, looks really happy on the Jackie Martins team. Seems to enjoy the team. So do you want to disturb that flow? He's only just signed with Jackie. Does Jackie want to lose him to Honda? There's probably contractual situations there you don't want to yeah. disturb. Otherwise, you would say he would be the, the prime candidate. But he might just be better. Can they give him a few parts from Factory Honda, help him as the season goes on there? He seems pretty comfortable where he is. And he could be, obviously, it's been two sand races he's impressed in, but he could be one to keep an eye on here and there. Now, the MXGP yeah. 2023 for sure. Whether he rides Factory Honda or Jackie Martins, he seems everything seems to be clicking for him there under that team. Yeah, well, I would keep him where he is, to be honest, because... Yeah. He's riding really well at the minute. And, you know, in the past, it hasn't really been his talent that's let him down. It's maybe been his mentality. And then all of a sudden, if you put him under that HRC awning, mm -hmm. he's got an amazing bike. You know, he's probably going to, oh my goodness, I have to be top five here. You know, and that's a lot of pressure. I would just keep him where he is. Like you say, maybe give him a few more parts to help him out there and um, less pressure. And he looks so yeah. comfortable on that bike. thing that struck me at, struck me at Hoxton was, he looked a lot more smoother than usual. At times, it looked mm -hmm. like he wasn't even really trying. And yep. He was probably the fastest overall three of the races, you would have at to times, say. At times, yeah. Certainly but, on the uh, track at each yeah, motor, you could argue it, that he's yeah, the fastest yeah, guy on the track at the moment. Yeah, so. Exactly. So, obviously, he has to transfer that speed from sand slash deep sand to other tracks. But he seems to be in a, a lot of a, be a better place mentally now. And I think towards the end of last year in the Riley Yamaha, he was sort of a consistent top 10 guy at any track. So I think something clicked there at the end of last year and hopefully he can start the season how I finished it last year and we've got a deep sand race for round two at Rayola. If he rode the way he rode it later up there, God knows, he could be right at the front line because I watched the video there earlier. He looked on rails. He looked unbelievable. What about Mitch Evans? <clears throat> Super low-key talent in terms of he doesn't look fast, but once he's healthy... He even doesn't have to be totally healthy. He can be relatively healthy. He gets a start. He kind of just sits there and he's running <laughs> running a really fast pace. He wasn't at Hawkstone Park. I think he's recovering from a small injury, or at least that's what the rumours are. Is he riding Argentina? With no real gauge on how he's adapting to the Kawasaki, but I really think Mitch Evans is a very very talented rider and he's, he has that Aussie attitude where he doesn't they don't really think anyone's better than them so they're not intimidated 
to come in and they just they get able to get the maximum out of their potential no matter who they're racing. There's a really good quality when you're coming into MXGP and battling a host of names. So I think if he's healthy enough, maybe give him a couple of rounds to get adjusted to the Kawasaki, he could put himself up in the mix as well and it could be another one to watch. Yeah, I think he's been dealing with just a small thumb injury or thumb, small hand injury, something like that. But he's he's back on the bike. I don't even think he was off the bike that long. But he's elected yeah, against pre-season races. But he was at Lommel there practicing at the weekend. So he'll definitely be racing Argentina. And I'm actually quite looking forward to seeing him in the Kawasaki. Most riders, you've already seen them have at least mm-hmm. one race with their new team. So we'll get to see him in the green machine. and. Yeah, it'll be an interesting one. I think he'll be a, a consistent, solid top 10 guy, probably. And then he'll probably have his days where everything clicks and he can run top five. I would say that would probably be where I'm looking to, where I'm expecting mm-hmm. Mitch Evans to be. Obviously, the start of the season, it's it's hard to know. Hasn't raced any, any events prior to this MXGP. So I'd be surprised if he didn't get arm pump. So uh, that, that could be a... a struggle in Argentina but yeah I think solid top 10 guy probably which which is still really good in this MXGP class Where are you on better? Because we saw what Jeremy Van Horbeck could do with the bike last year, mm-hmm. strong season pretty much consistent top 10 guy Alex Lupino we never got to see what he had last year because of all his, the issues he had off the bike now we'll have Ben Watson on the bike with Lupino you mentioned the pressure with the, the Kawasaki situation last season. For me, I think the better thing would probably suit Ben better. And he should be, I think Ben Watson's going to be good this year. I think we can see him inside the top 10. Fairly regular. Again, starts are a big thing for, for Watson as well. And Lupino, he's got a bit more experience with the, with the better, so... We saw him two years ago have a fantastic season on a privateer KTM. Hopefully we'll see more of that as well. Slight question mark on whether the two riders can execute to their potential because Lupino's obviously been pretty much off a year. Ben had a tough year mentally last year, but even so, I think people don't realise if he's getting a 15th that he's still going really quick. You know, there's not a lot of difference between 10th and 15th in MXGP. We've seen him at Lommel. The speed was good. It's just, it's really deep and they need good starts. So, Ben, if he can get his confidence back, and I think it's a two-year deal with with Beta, so he, if he gets the time there to develop the bike and they work with him and everything goes together and the, the team get on with him and understand what he wants from a bike, I think we'll see the growth of Ben Watson again turn into the 450 rider he can be. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Lupino there having a good year two years ago with Mercati KTM, and of course Mercati are now actually running the Beta team for 2023, so Lupino is going to be reunited with that team again just just with the new brand so for Marchetti so yeah it's going to be interesting I think you're right I I think it will suit Watson more than being a factory Yamaha or factory Kawasaki guy no disrespect to Beta but if they get 10th with Watson they're probably going to be very happy you know whereas Yamaha and Kawasaki might say yeah 10th is good but they're going to be wanting more than 10th so I think that that's good because Ben's a sort of rider that thrives when he's not under that pressure. So yeah, I think we'll see him in the top ten quite a lot, and he'll certainly be a top fifteen cons- consistent kind of rider, wh- which is grand. And it just learn the bike, continue to improve, and I think having the security of a second year of his, mm-hmm. of his contract really good too, because of course he hasn't had that at Yamaha and Kawasaki, and then that leads to maybe stress towards the end of the year where you're panicking because you haven't got a ride. So okay. I think that can maybe calm him down towards the end of this year, knowing that he, he has a ride next year and he can just f- focus on doing the best he can, really. And Lepino, Lepino's an inter- interesting one. He, he's such a good rider, but people always seem to forget about him. Mm-hmm. But because he's been out injured all of 2020, you know, it's 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 very difficult after pretty much a full year away from racing MXGP to come back unless you're one of those elite, elite talents. So I think just get the races under your belt and try and improve. Certainly at the very slick hard pack tracks, that's where he'll definitely excel and probably be a top 10 at those kind of tracks. Sand and, and those kind of tracks maybe a bit iffy for him, but at the end of the day, he's there probably to develop the bike. Mm-hmm. He's done an amazing job developing bikes in the past with Gavin, Asa Motor, and even Marchetti KTM. So if he can just keep 
keep improving that bike and I'm sure that'll help Ben Watson as well. So a, a good rider lineup for, for Beto, I would say. And anyone else you think could get it get amongst that top ten, top five? Uh, I'm really looking forward to Alberto Ferrato, the the forgot somehow yeah. the forgotten man of MXGP. I don't know how you can really forget about him because he's got the best, probably the best personality. He's quite pack. memorable, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he's such a good rider. I mean, he's underrated. Did, I think people yeah. remember him off the bike more than they remember yeah. his speed on it. But last uh, which, year he showed serious speed at times. Yeah, well, the problem is he's such a big guy; he can't really <laughs> do much to get out of the gate. So, you know, yeah. he, he might start 20th and finish 15th, which is yeah. actually really good. But, yeah. you know, you don't really see that. I mean, to his credit, he did he did get some good starts last year. I can't remember what GP it was, but I remember Prado saying about how fast he was in the press conference. Prado was like, Ferrato was really quick. Like, So if this guy can get out of the gate, he's also with the SM Action K- KTM team. They have to, the teams to change brands, but I think that's a really good team. And it's just a shame he picked up an injury last year as he was starting to be a sort of consistent sort of seven, eight, nine guy. Mm-hmm. It's a real shame he got injured, but that team does a really good job developing young talents. You know, they help Renault get back on track after he had his injuries. They've helped Adamo now be a factory rider. So watch out for Ferrato, especially if he can get out of that gate because he has serious raw speed. So looking forward to him. And then another rider sort of in that mould, but we haven't seen him race. Certainly last year he started the season, but after his big crash at Mantova, Arminus Jasakonis just, just wasn't really ready at the start of last year to, to to be competitive in MXGP. So I think he made the right decision to, to step away. But um, out of the blue, kind of, it was announced last week that he's going to be racing GPs again this year. So maybe things are looking good on the practice track and he's thought, let's go for another go. He's with the Millionaire Gas Gas team, which is going to be actually a new team racing MXGP. So That's it'll be just good. Br- yeah, it'll just be brilliant to see him back racing GPs, really. Because I mean, remember Suzuki days, and even awesome. when he was Husqvarna yeah. before his big crash, he was the next big thing, really. You know, he had such a bright future. So hopefully, he can get back to get banging out some top ten results. You know, top fifteen. That's fine. You know, this is just his first year back. Obviously. In hindsight, coming back to start last year was probably a mistake. So it was good that he was able to recognize that, go away, just get him back himself into shape, which I assume he is now, and coming back for another go. Because there's nothing worse than being at MXGP, not enjoying it, knowing that you should be, you know, top yeah. at least top fifteen and battling for points mentally. That can be very, very tough. So I think he made the right decision there, and it's going to be great to see him back. And finally. The other item I'm looking forward to seeing is Valentin Guillaume. I yeah. think he could be good this year. He's looking good in pre-season. I had a friend at, at an international race there, and he said Guillaume was very, very fast. So, and he, I think he only did four GPs last year. But he, he was done, awesome last he made, year, he, the ones he rode. He made sure he'd on all the slick hard pack tracks to suit him. <laughs> yeah. So I think certainly in those conditions, <laughs> he'll be very, very good. But from what I've heard, he hasn't done much sand preparation. So... He might struggle with those rounds, but I think for Valentin Guillaume, it's just important to to get his name out there again because it's been a few years we haven't really seen him do much in MXGP apart from the four rounds he raced last year. So just get his name out there to the world again, maybe enjoy it as well, and I'm sure we'll see him in the top 10 in certain races and rounds. You're not expecting that at Raiola then, round two? No, definitely not. If he gets top 15th there, he's probably doing well. <laughs> yeah, no, it'll be good to see him back. It was a, little, well, it was a good few years ago now, but he was battling Jeffrey Herlings, remember, at Matterley Basin. I think he got a moto win there. Yeah. He was on an unbelievable, I was, I think, standing construct again, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Riders getting the most right, out of yeah. their level. Yeah, exactly. So he'd done it there. He obviously still has talent. He showed that when he's comfortable, what he could do last year. So yeah, Valentine Guillaume. Another one of those guys where you give them a start, you, you're not sure what they can do. So good to have him back in the uh, GP paddock, yeah. And unfortunately, we don't have a lot of Brits. Ben Watson's really the main yeah. main guy. It used to be you had two, three, four British riders to, to root for in GPs, but things are sort of a struggle for the British riders at the minute. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a shame that, but I do think the UK need to look at doing something, you know. We've, had, we've been fortunate enough where we've had a lot of elite talent in the past, you know, with Tommy Shaw, with John Simpson that have really helped. But um, looking at some of the talent breaking through at the minute compared to some some of those other countries in mm-hmm. Europe, 
it's not looking too rosy. I mean, Cole McCulloch, he, he's Irish. They may be claiming him, will they? <laughs> no, nah, but all, all jokes aside... Uh, Probably. Trying to claim just... Gordon Crocker as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. No, nah, but uh, it will be interesting to see who sort of can break out from, from England in the next few years. It's, it's, it's a bit of a shame that Conrad Muse is fucking focusing yeah. domestically, but I think he's going to do some. Hopefully, yeah, so he can maybe, be the yeah, giant Ho- star. Yeah, hopefully he can. Points, he but... can maybe do have a good few results, and you know, Brent Van Donnick done it. He he's had away from GP racing. Only did the British and a few wild cards with SA United. They were husky there, so hopefully Muse can sort of go on, go on his path and be a full time GP rider again in the past. Because there's no doubt he has the talent. He's an unbelievable talent. Where are you with Calvin Volandron? I saw him. I forgot about him. I knew we forgot about somebody. <laughs> top results. Won his first Grand Prix last year. Again, sort of hit or miss at times, depending on starts and crashes. And then next thing he was he was up at the front again. Preseason hasn't been outstanding this year, but with such a long series, it's hard to make too many judgments at the minute. Where do you see him sort of averaging out throughout the year? A bit like Prado, he's but I don't really know what to expect. I haven't had it confirmed, but I do believe that maybe they won't have the star engines that they had last year. But then, of course, they didn't have the new Yamaha then, so yeah. maybe in theory they might not need the star engine. Obviously, it would help, but hopefully, I'm I'm assuming the team will be hoping that the new bike on its own is maybe an upgrade on what they had last year, or, mm-hmm. or certainly that level. So, yeah, it's going to be an addition. I mean, when he done the one preseason race, I think he actually won the overall. So, done fine there. But, yeah, I mean, again, similar to Mitch Evans, probably. Solid top 10 guy. Yeah. Although the way he raced in the sand last year was incredible. Can, can he do that again? I mean, Riola, could he win round two? Could he that do was that again? Yeah. <laughs> if he gets <laughs> yeah. a good dead yeah. Argentina, you never know, yeah. gets the confidence up. But Argentina's. Yeah. Very different track to Raiola, and that's one of the greatest things that makes MXGP the premier yeah. outdoor championship in the world. You're just going from one extreme to the other so regularly, wide open and fast, to brutally bumpy sand in a couple of weeks. And that's what that's what makes it unique, because it's one thing to be great at a certain track, but you have to be great or at least very, very good at every track. And those contenders we spoke about at the start, they are very, very good at every track. And I know people mm. think Hurlings is a sand man or whatever. He's just ridiculous in sand. But he's extremely good everywhere else as well. And that's why he's a five-time world champion and why Roman Fevre's been world champion and Maxime Renault's, Renault was, was so good last year and he was a world champion as well. Prado, all these guys, they have to be so good at everything. And to be world champion, that's one of the factors you, you take into consideration when you're bringing up your, your contenders. So again, they're going to have to adapt to that. And we'll go back to these qualifying races, which I think is great, by the way, to have the points there because a lot of the riders didn't want the qualifying race to go away. But I think uh, in front have done quite a good job there because instead of making it go away because it didn't mean anything, they've made it mean something and <laughs> with the points and made it stay. So for fans and people going to the race, watching the race media, it's really good that way. But again, it means you have less time to prepare your bike you're going to have to be, you've pretty much got your free practice to get everything sorted. Then you're on the gate pick and then you're straight on the points paying race. And while the guys that don't have championship aspirations might be able to take it a bit easier, whether they get 12th or 15th, if you're going for a world championship and there's five, six riders that are, I'm sure at this point when they're flying to Argentina, you can't afford to have bad, a bad day in the qualifying and have Jeffrey Hurlings or Maximum Rue get 10 points and you only get one. That's going to start adding up if you have a couple of those. So pressure's going to be on from time qualifying in Argentina. And you know, all eyes are going to be on who can produce straight away at the, this on the Saturday. Whereas before it was interesting to see who was fast. Now it's going to be interesting to see who can get the points on the board going into the Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Um personally I always wanted the qualifying yeah. race to be more of a sprint race and to give points, whether that was the top five you only give points to or the top ten you only give points to. That was up to the organisers to put in place, but they've decided to go with the top 10, which prob- probably makes the most sense, you know, because, you know, guys will maybe get a little bit browned off to get the top 10 and they don't get points, then they see the top five getting points. So yeah. top 10, top 10, I think, is fair. And then obviously there's not that much difference, really, if you finish third, 
third or fifth, you know, it's only a couple of points. So it's not the end of the world, really. And I think another good decision was not having those points count towards the GP yeah. of the weekend. It's only going to count in the championship. I think that's good because for mm-hmm. the casual fan, you know, that maybe just tunes in on Sunday, things might get a bit confusing. And then, you mean, you know, if somebody went 1-1 on a Sunday, if their bike had a blue up on the Saturday to lose the GP, I wouldn't have really agreed with that. So I think they've made the right decision there. And yeah, I don't think it'll be the, the riders will like it too much because they'll feel like they complained about the qualifying race before, but now they're going to probably complain that they have to push for the whole of the qualifying race now. <laughs> they just want the race done. Yeah, so yeah. We'll probably we'll probably be hearing them complain about it until they scrap it completely. But at least in front done something different, and um, yeah, the riders will probably get their way eventually in some day and age. But it's there to stay for now anyway, which I think is good because if I go to a GP, I oh, want yeah, to see racing. So, yeah, and you at yeah. and the way the, they've got the points constructed, the points the, all the top guys have to go for it because you can't afford a bad race because there's a championship at stake. Yeah. The only thing is. Who gets the red plate on Sunday? The guy that was leading the championship the week before or the guy that's just got 10 points and moved into a three-point lead in the championship going into the Sunday after the Saturday? Uh, I don't actually know. <laughs> I don't think that was really that clear in the press release. Yeah. But it should probably just be whoever. Oh, yeah, I see what you mean because it, yeah. it'll probably just be whoever has the red plate coming that's into the weekend. What I would imagine. Because yeah, they're, not, they're probably not. Yeah, they're probably not going to take a red plate off somebody at the end of Saturday yeah. and then give it. But then they might. I don't know. That'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on. I did read the press release and I don't think that was really that clear. But imagine it'll just go from the end of each GP weekend to yeah, yeah, total yeah. up all the points or whatever. But yeah. it's sort of an interesting, uh, unique situation that nobody's ever had to, to deal with before. But overall, yeah, really good. And also they're going to, the, wild, the entry travel entry phase for the overseas rounds is reduced. They're going to allow over 40 riders to enter with wild cards and stuff. And if there is, then you have to qualify, top 40 qualify. So a lot of things that have been complained about, you have to give in front a round of applause because they're starting to make adjustments to that. And I guess listen to what people's complaints were. Maybe a wee bit of prize money is coming on next season or something. That's probably the really only the last complaint. I know people complain about the tracks and stuff, but for me, I like the mix maybe let's have Kester or something really natural grass track in Belgium or that type of track as well with no uh, no ruts and stuff but generally there's a pretty good mix of old school new school tracks that seem to really help the technicality of the riders with the jumps and then you need the throttle control tracks of the old ones so maybe a couple of natural ones but generally uh, MXGP I think one in the next year probably with the exception of Tim Geyser getting injured couldn't be in a much healthier place in terms of this new points for qualifying with Hurlings, with Fevre back, with Venue, probably wish Vial had stayed <laughs> and joined Jeffrey Hurlings' as teammate because that would have been interesting. But with the talent coming up in MX2, which you can find in our preview podcast for that after this one, the sport's fairly healthy and we're looking forward to a really, really good season. And there's quite a lot of guys, I think, are getting on that plane to Argentina this week thinking I've got a shot at this championship and I can win races. Absolutely. Uh, it's going to be a long season, but at the same time, how often are we halfway through the season and turn around and go, I can't believe half of that season's gone already. So yeah. it's going to be a long, but it's going to fly through. So can't wait for a great season and at a fast and flowing Argentina track. To be honest, a scary track for me. I'm just you relieved no one gets, gets injured there. there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. So fingers crossed everyone um, just walks away injury-free and is able to get the railer really and hopefully it's good racing as well but it's going to be a long season full of drama that's for sure and injuries unfortunately <laughs> yeah hopefully that's the thing if everyone can stay safe especially through that Argentina with the excitement of round one and those guys are sort of sort of a Paul's Jonas disaster zone hopefully not but we saw what could happen last year I think it was more MX2 but one way mistake on that track it might not even be your fault it could be a kicker you didn't see a couple of bumps on that track because the the nature of the ground they're almost hidden underneath the soil and you can you can be on your head before you realize what's going on and carted off to hospital so of again the one we've seen it with supercross this year half the factory riders are out already hopefully the same doesn't happen with mxgp and you just need to look at what happened tim geyser barely a mistake and he ended up with a broken femur and, and looks like his chances of 
retaining this title are over. So hopefully everyone will stay safe. But other than that, it should be a fantastic season. Absolutely. Can't wait. Bring it on. That'll do. Right, that's the end of MXGP preview. Stay tuned for the MX2 version and a lot of good writers to go through there too. Ciao. Thank you soon.